0: Oh, had a little bit of a break there. I hope you guys enjoyed Dr. Jen. Man, she's amazing, brilliant. Love the work she does. Always thankful that she's willing to jump in, especially when we got another uh, plant-based therapist there. So hope you guys had fun spending the week with her. Um, DMs they are open as always. Slide in, slide on in there <laughs> if you've got a question. I'll answer it. And of course, uh, question of the night. As always, that's up on our Loveline IG page. It's always in the story. So weigh in on that. Lots. Lots and lots and lots has happened since we last hung out and spoke. Kamala Harris, Joe Biden announced she is going to be his vice president. Now, Lot of lot of mixed thoughts about that. Everyone's happy that you know Donald's going to get some uh, competition there, and we're all going for the Democratic ticket. Why? Well, we got to vote. We got no, cho- you know, we don't have choices, right? We have a uh, two two parties. Got to choose between the two, and um, we got to get Trump out. So that leaves us with Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, which some people are fans of. I'm, you know, look, I generally am a fan of both of them. I do think that there is still some work to do. Uh Kamala is from the carceral background. So, you know, she's someone who traditionally has thought that putting people in prison and strict laws were what were gonna help us kind of get to where we want to go culturally. And also she's been really hard on sex workers, uh, with Festa uh and uh Sesta and Fosta, excuse me. And um nonetheless, we have to take the lesser of those evils, and I, I think that the two of them will be well, Kamala especially, she'll be willing to be held accountable to the things she says she's going to do and to some changes where Trump, we were completely let down by. And I understand some people are saying that, you know, look, it's good representation, but that doesn't necessarily promise liberation or freedom. And, um, you know, the system is highly problematic and we'll see what they can do with it. But um, change, change. But you guys got to register to vote. That's the only way that we really make the change that's needed, so please register, please do vote. Um, this is when there's elections where not voting can't be a solution. That actually isn't a statement. That's actually a vote for Trump, and you know his record with people that are disabled, people that are LGBTQIA, et cetera, et cetera, it's really problematic, his, his, um, his scorecard there. So anyway, we wanna work on getting that one out. Equally as popular in the news, was the um the WAP the good old WAP video uh Stallion and uh Cardi B God bless it I I was kind of like what is this there was like this wave of people talking about their their song and their video and I thought wow what am I about to witness so had to go Google and watch it and I thought yep that did it you know we love trying to control things that scare us right where from a mental health perspective and a social you know change perspective we have to learn how to encounter things that make us uncomfortable. So when something makes you anxious or throws you off or generates some fear, the first entry point needs to be why? Why is this triggering me? Why is this making me uncomfortable? Why is this making me angry? Because there's no growth and there's no self-realization or development to just say, I don't like this. This makes me uncomfortable. Get rid of it. I don't want to see it. I think it's bad. It should be what do I what can I learn about myself in this? Where's my work? Because that's literally where your work is. Your work is around the things that make you confused, angry, scared, or thrown off. The work is to resolve that so that it's neutralized, so that you can see sexuality out in the world and just say, Yeah, that exists. That might not be for me, but that is for someone one else and all's well but seeing the way some people are taking to social media and their commentary on this it's like wow you all have a lot of work to do right like so much work you're not saying anything about the artists who are putting their work out there because remember if you don't like something don't engage it it's not for you so the people that have a really strong opinion about female sexual empowerment especially to women of color their work isn't for you move along but it's really powerful for other people why their mere presence doing what they're doing is opening doors for people to be their authentic selves A lot of people in our culture are not comfortable with hypersexuality or the expression of eroticism. Look, that's everywhere. Um, But don't prevent other people from doing their work. Because for a lot of people that are of exploited or marginalized identity, of color, black, female identified, um, it's really, really transformative and enhancing and empowering for them to push back on that and to say, I'm going to. Uh, promote my sexuality. I'm going to celebrate it. I'm even going to lead with it. And again, there's, there's, there's nothing mentally wrong. It's not a, a mental health issue for someone to want to build a career on their eroticism or their body or their sexuality. You are able to lead and build a career on whatever element you most feel comfortable about or you most most feel empowered around. And so their, their existence, their video, is really healing for a lot of people. And it's a very powerfully needed counterbalance to our sex-phobic culture. Uh, we know the work is done we don't need videos like that anymore when they no longer get the response they get, but the response they got shows how much more we need to learn and work that needs to be done to be able to encounter these things. Sexuality is something we need to get better and more, you know, more familiar encountering, uh, same with bodies and two women of color doing that. Like, so, um, Instead of maybe flaunting your need for therapy or some internal, you know, individual work, maybe don't put that stuff out there. And, and again, this whole protective thing, I'm not really sure what you think you're protecting people from. You know, we want to raise children and create a culture where we're able to encounter all the elements that exist, you know. And uh trying to push back and quiet them down, yeah. You know, what we resist persists. And in fact, it it can build up some steam and really empower it. So, anywho, that's that. We got a great show planned for you though. We're gonna be talking in our next segment about pleasure-based model versus performance. This is literally something that has people showing up in my office. And it's it's a very it's something that needs a lot of clarification. And of course, because it's me being me, we're gonna do a little bit of a self-care check-in. So um, yep, you're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel q and radio.com. Right now. Now, children and their families all over Southern California are going to bed hungry. Channel Q and Radio.com have an easy way that you can help feed local students and their families. Text the word NEED to 76278 to give a buck, and also put food in the mouth of a hungry child and their loved ones. Just $1, it's going to make a big difference. Learn more about Feed Our Families on our socials and at WeAreChannelQ.com. All right, we're back, and uh, before we get into the topic, I just wanted to kind of share. I I I don't know how in the last segment I just kind of skipped right over it, but had an amazing couple days off. Um, was still you know was still doing my clinical practice, uh, but I needed I needed just to really focus on some rest, you know, and really just kind of focus on some other projects that are important. So I got a lot of reading and writing done, and uh, again, just general resting, true resting, and it was so nourishing. I I advise everyone to try to build that in as much as they can. It's something I work with all my clients on, right? Making sure that they're, make, you know, centering all the important elements of their lives because some people are just working so much that when they finally have the time off that they're supposed to be, you know, engaging in hobbies and acts of pleasure and fun, they're too burnt out to do so. And I say, then your life is not balanced. Not that I actually believe in the concept of balance. I think it's quite terrorizing to have that concept. But I'd say to them, listen, you know, you work so that you can engage in these certain elements of the world. And when that's not possible, then you have your priorities wrong, right? Um, If your weekends are spent working more or just decompressing, well then again, you have to flip that. So anywho, uh, self-care, self-care, self-care. That's what I did. So it was really stunning, but um, yeah, I'm back. So, look, there's a couple things that consistently are center points or anchors of the individuals that come into my office and what their work is. And one of them, and God bless it, you know, again, our American culture where we're all about productive, optimization, achieving goals, always doing self-improvement. It's exhausting and it gets misapplied. That does not apply to everything. Not everything can be about optimal levels. Not everything can be about high peak performance. Not everything can be about constant improvement. And one of those things is sex. One of those things is our body's functioning you know, look, God bless it, gym culture and athleticism, like athlete culture and gym culture have really led us to believe that our bodies are machines and we should constantly be improving them. But I don't, I don't agree or believe in that. There is a limit. There is such a thing as a limit that you'll hit based on a lot of different contexting, but let's just go with genetics. There are certain genetics that are going to prevent you from being and doing everything you want to do. Not not everyone can be on the end you know the NBA in the NBA. Not everyone can even be things like president. Like there's a limit on what's possible. And performance culture, this optimization, high performance. People try to apply that to their sex life. They want to be sexual athletes and sexual superstars. Now, my definition of what a sexual superstar would be is the opposite of how people enter that conversation. So a lot of people think it's about you know, operating a certain way. And I say to them, not, not really. People that are sexually confident and really sexually skilled are very fluid and diversified. And they're able to show up in the moment and say, what is this moment asking of me? And they're really present. It's not about skill. It's not about what you're doing. It's how you're doing it. It's your presence. So the battle that, that, that is waged often is a performance-based model versus pleasure-based. Sexual health is about pleasure. It's about connection. It's about intimacy. It's about fun. It's about joy. It's not about, performance, and the whole performance model creates so many issues and throws people off and it terrorizes them. So let's talk about the distinction. So a performance-based model, the kind of model most people tend to operate from that we're trying to move away from, it's very performance, I'm sorry, it's very penetratively based, and it sees penetration as the goal, as having full sex, real sex, complete sex, we actually did it, and a pleasure-based model though is saying, look, it's a whole bunch of different things that we could be doing because we're looking to have fun. We're looking to connect. That can happen in various ways. Where again, performance is saying sex. Performance also thinks that the whole goal of sex is always orgasm and ejaculation. Nice when it happens, but a pleasure base says, look, different things are gonna happen, and different things are gonna happen for the different people involved. And again, there's no real goal. We're just here to have fun and to have pleasure, and however that looks is how it looks. Performance-based model, has rigid expectations on the people, on each partner, on their bodies. I think I have to be this way. I'm gonna expect you to be a certain way. Our body should go this way. You know, performance-based, the model we're getting away from is always gonna use words like should, it should. And again, my question to my clients is always, where did you get that definition? Where are you getting the idea of how it should be? But more importantly, it's wrong. It's always different. There is no right way or correct way to have sex. It's very diversified. A performance-based model, again, is how are you performing, and are you performing the right way and efficiently? Where a pleasure-based model lets go of that, right? So again, performance-based would also say things like, you know, I have to show up in a very confident way, where the the pleasure based is saying, I have to just be myself. I can't necessarily promise what I'm going to be open to. And this is where here, like how this is really impactful on like hookup culture. I can't promise what I'm going to be open to or looking for until I'm with you. I I don't know what we're going to co-create. I don't know how I'm going to feel. I don't know how I'm going to feel once I see you, once we start touching each other. And I'm going to go with my flow. I'm not, I'm not going to be performance-based and allow an expectation to be on me or promise something. I'm going to go with pleasure-based and say, we're here to have fun, even if I never see you again. And so I'm going to go with the flow of what my body's asking and wanting. You know, the performance-based model is so tense and rigid where the pleasure-based is just wide open, right? So again, performance-based is also going to be about sometimes having sex you don't want to have, having sex that maybe is painful or uncomfortable because we're trying to do it the right way. We're trying to do it the way it's supposed to go, the correct way. And it's always going to be penetration. It's always going to be genitals. And we're here to orgasm. And that all is so tense where, again, pleasure-based is saying, yeah, look, we're here to have fun, right? Remember that part. And it can start however it starts and it can end whenever it ends and there's no specific thing that I'm gonna expect from a partner. And that's been really disruptive for some people when they kind of make that empowered realization or they make that change around boundaries, especially again on dates and hookup culture where they're like, you know if you're showing up here wanting some kind of mechanized promised experience i can't offer that and even with couples they start to reinforce these scripts that they're not having real sex or true sex or full sex if they're actually being body and sex positive which is to just kind of say what do i want in this moment and i'll stop when i need to stop i don't i don't know how far this is going to go i don't know what we're really committing to but we're on this journey together and it allows just more spontaneity it allows more fun it allows more joy Right. All right. We'll be talking more about that. When we come up next, we're going to be talking about trauma. It's a heavy topic, but, you know, trauma is something that's very misunderstood as well. <laughs> I feel like tonight's show is going to be a lot of like unlearning and relearning, but, you know, we need to do that. I think that's part of, it's part of just general psychology. So much pop psychology has gone around. A lot of it has some real flaws in it. So, anyway, coming up next, we're going to be talking about some trauma stuff. Uh, so, trigger warning and then uh, some DMs. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. Uh, question of the night, as always, it's up on our Loveline IG page in the stories and the DMs. Always open, slide on into those. We'll be breaking all that down when we come back. Um, what else do I want to tell you? Ah, yes, Loveline. It's always podcasted at wearechannelq.com or radio.com. Check out past episodes. And I uh, hope you're checking out my live stream show. That's every Thursday, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. And that's on all the radio.com handles. So it's there, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook. Check it out, good stuff, Um, yes. Okay, so, trauma. Um, What I'm thankful for is we're now starting to realize how important looking at the possibility of trauma in someone's life, how it can kind of weave itself into other elements of their life that we didn't normally always make connections around. And, you know, again, remember, a lot of psychology is hyper-theoretical. We will never know what created something. We can only develop working theories. We can say, well, in theory, because said thing happened in your childhood or your adolescence or even early adulthood, we're going to make the assumption that that is why this current behavior is happening. We'll never know for sure. There's no blood test. There's no brain scan. Um, it's all hyper-theoretical, right? And the whole point of talking from what we call a trauma-informed model, which is where psychology is going quite quite quickly, is for us to depathologize and normalize people's experiences, we used to kind of weaponize and use diagnoses against people where we'd say, you're a borderline. You know, that person's a narcissist. Um, Even say things like they're psychotic, they're an addict. And it was a way to blame them. Like you, as though you all created this, get out of here. You know, instead of saying, wow, this person needs help or what must have happened that they've become the person they are which is empathy building, because sit with that for a second. When we say that person's an addict, that person's a borderline, we're basically saying, I don't have sympathy for them. I don't want to understand them. I just want them out. I want them over there. It's separating. It's separating. It's marginalizing, right? And that's psychologically traumatizing for them. It's also unfair because you're going to encounter all different kinds of people in the world, and we want empathy for our struggles, which are often outside of maybe our control. And we have to do that to people that are labeled with any mental health diagnosis, is the question should always be, do they need help? And I don't mean that like in the moment, like you're at Starbucks and you're saying, does that person over there need help? I mean, people in our lives, like how can I help them? Right? If someone's struggling, that means they need help, not shaming, but even bigger than that, the question should be, what must have happened that they have that kind of personality or characterological style. What must have happened that that's the defenses that that person moves through the world with? Excuse me. Because a lot of people's quote-unquote flaws, which they're not, a lot of people's mental health struggles are actually defenses that were needed at some point in their life that are no longer needed, but they've never put that weapon down. They've never put that defense down. They're still utilizing it. They're still in a state of I'm scared or I'm in fear. And so you want to kind of connect to that part because people don't choose to be a narcissist. No one says, I'm going to try to internalize all these narcissistic traits and really wreak havoc on my life and the life of other people. No one does that. But events occur that create what would be called a you know a narcissistic style. But remember, we're all on the continuum of all mental health issues. And some people don't like that statement because they think it takes away from other people's experiences. But we are all on all of these different um, spectrums. You know, it's not, are you a narcissist? It's how narcissistic are you? It's not, are you a borderline? It's how borderline are you? Depression. We all experience different rates of depression and it shows up in our lives differently. So we can never say depression. That's going to look and feel different for every single person. They're all going to experience it differently. And some people are more prone to depressiveness. Some people have a depressive characterological style, not something they chose, even though that can be very exhausting and daunting to be around, but what must have happened that that is the kind of perspective they have on self, other, and the world, right? But we're all on these, we're all on these spectrums. And so I want us to know that like, that's us, we're them. It's just, they might have a more extreme version of that. They might've suffered more trauma, but it's just about normalizing. It's about humanizing. It's about saying they're not other, Right? They're just in a different place than I am with that. But we all have a relationship to all these different pieces. And the trauma model seeks to really just normalize that, give us some peace. But I think the other valuable thing to remember is not everything's resolvable or solvable, and not everything needs to. Some of these things are just elements to be aware of and to say, when might I be acting this out? And are there other ways of being in this moment or with myself or with other people? But you know we we use trauma treatment as though things can be completely targeted and resolved and that's not necessarily true right um some of these things are states traits or issues that people will take with them for the entirety of their life and two two different people with the same issue entering therapy aren't the same person, and even though the issue might have the same label, it's experienced differently based on every other factor. Um, what relationships are they in and have they been in? Do they have resilience? What are their genetics like? What kind of early environment did they have? Like all these different threads show up. What kind of support system do they have? Do they engage in self-care? Do they have any um other issues that might amplify or dampen down this thing? And so None of these things are interchangeable. But remember, like trauma work is important. It's important to use a trauma uh, entry point, but also theory. But don't please don't believe that everything's resolvable. And I think that's a really hard thing to tell some clients: is not all issues are resolvable or need to be. Some of them, we learn how to manage. We learn how to cope with better. We learn how to carry with us. We learn how to befriend it. Um, f- going deeper into it. But um, the the takeaway before we we you know take a break is just remember that all of these traits that we might struggle with in other people, we also have. It just might be to a different degree. It might be more of an erotic version of it, which means it, it harms us. We use it against ourselves versus what they call in true psychoanalytic theory, a psychotic version, which is when we kind of uh, push it out there and harm others with it. So um, more care, more care and compassion always. Thank you for hanging out there for that ramble. Okay, coming up next, we're gonna be sliding into those DMs. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back now. It's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world and we want you to explore confidence. Here we go. Hey, Dr. Chris, I have a question about intentions in open relationships. My boyfriend and I have been together for five years and we both came into our queerness and bisexuality. Congrats. What a beautiful place to be. Uh, Welcome to the family. Uh, we've agreed to let each other explore with the same gender, in sex and dating as long as we are each other's primaries. In my two experiences with women, they've told me they want it to be casual. So I kept it casual and they know about my boyfriend right off the bat. I'm very communicative and oh, I'm sorry, I'm very communicative about how the relationship is going on my end and I listen to their feelings. However, after about a month or two, I feel them wanting companionship, and I have to cut it off because it's not what I'm looking for. I'm not sure if it's because they pretend my boyfriend doesn't exist because of a lot of boundaries have been broken on their ends. I feel bad when things end and that they feel like I've led them on even though we discussed the nature of the relationship. Bam. Okay. First off, I appreciate the question, because what I'm hearing in there is, I don't want to harm people. What I'm hearing you say is I'm healthy enough that I want people to leave having dated me or had sex with me feeling good or okay in the world. I don't want people to enter my life and leave worse off, and I want that to be a wake-up call to everyone. If you're having sex and dating people and they're walking away feeling bad, feeling let down, feeling hurt, look at your part in that and say, what am I maybe doing that's contributing to that? Because I don't agree with the idea that like I don't have to worry about other people. They said they're cool dating, they said blah, blah, blah. No, man, that is not healthy sex, that is not ethical sex. Ethical sex and healthy sex take into account the impact you're having on other people, period. And so just because they say I'm cool with something, if you see them struggling, I want you to call that out and say, this doesn't really look like it's working for you. Is this? Like it's called care and compassion. So weigh in on that. So I appreciate your question. You're like, I I'm not oh you know, I'm not dating and having sex with these women to hurt them. Uh so let's talk about intentions. I like that you framed it that way. You know things develop and change. It's it's very easy in the beginning of a relationship whatever it is, even if it's just a sexual relationship, a friends with benefits relationship, a hookup one-time relationship, all these different relationships, they they're they're people. People will attach without meaning to. So they might have entered saying, "I'm cool with you having a boyfriend. I'm cool with him being your primary. I'm cool with me just being something very casual." But then something more develops. That's not something they could have prevented. That might not have been something they could have seen coming. And so you are then left dealing with that shift and change and that might happen on your end. You might be smooth sailing right now, but there might come a time when you realize, oh my gosh, I've started to care about them more than I wanted to. And you'll have to sit in that. And that's the thing. We're talking about people. So there can't be hard lines and hard boundaries. People are gonna grow and develop in the way they grow and develop. And emotions and attachment don't care about hard boundaries. That's not like a real psychological thing in this context. And so people attach. You're using intimacy. And intimacy will build intimacy. And you know what I mean? Like making out, sexuality, touching, texting, whatever it is, it's, it can develop into something. So I would say your best bet is to keep checking in with them. Um, making sure that you are being casual in your languaging, in your time together, in your boundaries. just do a little more self-reflection. What might you be doing that might be allowing them the space to connect and attach more deeper? And then you might realize it's not you. You know, your 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 behavior and your verbiage is aligned with what is available, and then it goes back to them. But um, pay attention, you know. But yeah, these people might be better off if they were in a primary of their own, and then casually dating outside of that. That can for many be the most stabilizing and best way for them to have just an open relationship, right? Because again, poly is when you have multiple ongoing relationships and that is not what you're talking about. You're talking about an open style that's more along the lines of, like you said, I have a primary and everyone else is more of a casual, sexual, romantic outlet. But it has limits. But remember, human emotions don't care about social constructs like limits and boyfriends and primaries. Our psyches don't care about that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Our hearts don't care about that. Uh, so, yeah, all you can do is your work, you know, set the boundaries. Um, yeah, talk to your partner about it though. I'm sure he might be experiencing something like that as well. You know, ask him how he's worked through it. But um, just keep talking to people, keep checking in on them. Uh, but just be very thoughtful in the structure, allow a lot of space, a lot of time. And if you feel like people are getting too intimate and going too deep, don't, don't do so with them. You know, maybe you just want hookups where you see these other people once for sex, once, maybe twice, and then you kind of move on because they're attaching, you know, sliding into the DMS is brought to you by our friends at Trojan condoms, because it's a big old sex world. We want you to support confidence coming up next. We're going to talk about my favorite topic right now, self-care. I know we talk about it a lot, but, um, almost every couple sessions I bring it up and people are like still not really engaging in it, grasping in it, sure how to wrap their heads around it. So I'm here, got your back. Listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. righty, right, right, we're back. Um, talking a lot about like upkeep, maintenance. It's important stuff. You know, COVID's been going on for a while now and uh, some people were hit early on with some of their struggles and it was a little bit of a foreshadowing of maybe what was to come. Others kind of thrived in the beginning. Maybe it was due to their resilience or the impact hadn't really creeped in or hadn't been long enough. And uh, some people are still thriving. Others are now starting to feel the impact. And for some, it's just more of the same. And it's just been a constant struggle. I know for me, it's been waves, you know, where there's times where hyper depressed, hyper lonely, anxious. Other times where I'm feeling very full and nourished and really connected and grounded and we got to be where we are and this isn't over anytime soon so I guess let me also take a second to ask everyone to please care about the impact on those around us and to keep wearing a mask and to keep social distancing and just because people are throwing parties and events doesn't mean it's safe just because it's your birthday or someone's whatever it is doesn't mean it's safe just because certain organizers are finding loopholes or gray areas as ways to get groups together to do things like concerts doesn't mean it's safe. I was just watching someone doing some new outdoor concert where they're in these like box things, but even though they're spaced apart in the box, imagine all those people when they're walking in or exiting at the end of the show, crowded in together with hundreds of people like it's horrifying and so I, I, you know, we're just, we're skirting around the issue we need to just really zero in and take it seriously and let this thing kind of die down. So, you know, just remember, be where you are. It's, and I know for some, it's hard to separate out what is, what is COVID and what is not. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter whether it's COVID related or not. This is where you are and this is your current mental health and this is your current level of mental functioning. And it doesn't matter if it was pre COVID, post COVID, because of COVID we have to deal with what is and we can't separate it all out. And so we've got to make sure we're amping up certain things. And for me, it's the trifecta. It's my good old one, two, three. It's self-care, pleasure, and rest. And I want people to be checking in on that every single day. That's right. Every day, I want you checking in. What self-care have I done today? What have I done for pleasure? And have I how have I rested? Say it again. What self-care have I done today? What have I done for pleasure And how have I rested? And you need to do those three things every day, self-care, pleasure, and rest. You can plan it the night before so you know it's built in. You can set that intention and build it in in the morning. You can check in throughout the day, but every day. And remember, self-care it are things that have no outcome, no goal, and they just feel good. And they leave us feeling great afterwards. So if it's something that's leaving you burn out, tired, or, or whatever, that's not self-care. So again, my favorite example, because it's so easy, is the gym. The gym is not self-care for everyone. Some people, it burns them out. It's more depleting. Um, and instead, for them, self-care would be napping, laying on the floor, watching a movie, taking a bath, reading. Often, it's things that don't require any energy. Because it's supposed to be nourishing and, and filling, not depleting or exhausting. Uh, pleasure. Things that are rooted in nothing more than that felt good and that's why I did it. Could be, you know, things like masturbation. That can be both self care and pleasure. Some of these things overlap. Eating a donut. Sometimes that's what I need. I need just a moment where I'm just sitting there and I'm enjoying something. It has no goal, it has no purpose, and I'm just eating it and I'm like, this is delicious. Or I'll go for a walk. I mean, some of these things intertwine, but again, pleasure could be reading, just taking a moment. And again, none of these things are tied to anything other than just really bringing myself back to myself and anchoring me. And then finally, resting. Did you rest today? And your sleep doesn't count. Saying, yeah, I got eight hours, nine hours of sleep. That's the given. I'm expecting that. And on top of that, I want you to rest. Did I sit for a while instead of standing? You know, can I work, can I take time from work and just go sit on the couch, just stare at the ceiling? You know, so many different ways to do rest, maybe laying the tub, maybe laying in the tub is the pleasure and the self-care and the rest all combined into one. Don't, don't, you know, uh, don't use it as a cop-out and collapse them all. For some people, they need to make sure they're doing three separate things because they're really trying to build that in and really get the benefits. But the more we're doing these things, it kind of shaves down the sharpness of the edges and things are very edgy right now in our lives. And those three things give us the, the foundation upon which we can kind of endure and take on all that's going because there's a lot coming out of a lot of people. We have a lot coming up, right? Like how long how much longer is this pandemic? How many more lives are going to be lost? Financial impact for some people is getting greater and greater. We have an election coming up. I mean, there's so much that we're dealing with. It's I'm I'm scared to say what more could happen because, you know, the universe hears that and it's like <laughs> yeah. Put on your seatbelt. You know what I mean? So again, it's it's the it's that it's the trifecta as always. You know, it's the self-care, pleasure, and rest. And that and if we can't find the time to do those three things, then you have to readjust your schedule. If you can't find the time to do those three things, your life is not in line. Your life is out of line. We can't have mental health if we're not centering mental health. We can't have mental health if we're not doing the things that lead to mental health. And Some people say that. They'll say, I don't want to change my life. It's structure, my priorities, but I want better mental health. I want to feel better. You can't. Sometimes they're at odds. Sometimes you have to make massive changes in your life in order to achieve these things. It's a really hard lesson, but I have to give that to some people. Based on the context of how your life is set up and what's important to you, it's not possible to have it. You have to choose. You know, And it means making a lot of shifts and a lot of changes, but it's valuable. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk about exhaustion. It's like... I look around, I'm like, oh, that's all I felt all day. Um, But we're going to be breaking that on down and then question of the night and then closing out with some DMs. So go on the LoveLine AG page and the stories weigh in on the question of the night. Right now, children and their families all over Southern California are going to bed hungry. Channel Q and Radio.com have an easy way for you to help feed local students and their families. Text the word NEED to 76278 to give a buck and put food in the mouth of a hungry kid and their loved ones. Just $1 to make a big difference. Learn more about Feed Our Families on our socials and at wearechannelq.com. All right, we're back. Question of the night. As always, it's up on our Loveline IG page and the stories and DMs. Always open, slide into those DMs on our Loveline IG and uh, we'll answer your question. So I wanted to talk about exhaustion. (laughs) Uh, The kind of exhaustion that isn't, healed with just sleep because that's what happens. People are like, I'm tired. I'm fatigued. I need sleep. How's my sleep? But sometimes it's a deeper exhaustion. It's maybe a psychological or emotional exhaustion. Maybe it's even a spiritual exhaustion. And those things aren't going to be, those depletions, those deficits aren't going to be managed or improved or fixed with just closing our eyes and sleeping. Now, if I, if someone said to me, what's one thing You don't know me, Dr. Chris. You don't have any idea what my life is like or what my struggles are. You'll never meet me. I'm emailing this question and I want you to tell me one thing and the one and only thing that you can promise that if I do it, it'll improve my life. I'd say sleep. If we get enough sleep, that's gonna help almost every area of our life. It doesn't cure everything. Again, this is someone saying just this hyper general question, sleep. So I'm going to assume you're all doing that. Please focus on getting seven to nine hours of sleep a night, period. Whatever you need to do to make that happen, do it. That will help every element of your life. That is about mental and physical health. When we don't have enough sleep, our immune system, our nervous system, we don't have the energy to cope with all we have to cope with in our lives. It'll make us more stressed, more anxious, maybe more depressed. So at least rule out that you're getting the sleep needs met. I also would say I wanna make sure people are hydrated and eating nutritious food if possible. If we have all the vitamins and minerals we need, the fiber we need for a healthy gut, because part of our psychology, emotionality is in our gut, and we're getting our sleep and we're hydrated, Upon that foundation, we can then start to do all the work. But we have to rule those three things out. Then, after that, I'd say to them, maybe it's an emotional, psychological, or spiritual issue because sometimes that deep exhaustion is some kind of like compassion burnout. And I talked about that on a show months ago, that compassion burnout, uh, vicarious traumatization, these are both two factors that means we are taking on the negative outcomes of, of things that are going on in other people. So for instance, as a therapist, constantly sitting in other people's material and their struggles and issues, I can start to take that in, take that on. My nervous system starts to mimic and mirror that of that of those people that are having those experiences. And that can happen with children and family members. If you're around stressed, stressed, stressed out people, angry people, we can start to take that on and take that in. And so some of that exhaustion, is a sign that you need to go back to what we said in our last segment, the trifecta, self-care, pleasure, and some rest. Go right to that. That will that will be a good buffer. That will be like taking a vitamin around that. That will inoculate. That will give you a foundation upon which to really assess and do all this. But if you're realizing that nonetheless, You're still moving through the world, that heavy exhaustion, which again, if you hit that trifecta of self-care, rest, and pleasure, I don't think you will be. But even if you are, you have to say to yourself, what's going on with me spiritually? What's going on with me emotionally? What's going on with me psychologically? Maybe it's time for therapy. I love that. So many people are reaching out to do teletherapy. All therapists I know are doing Skype, FaceTime, and phone therapy. A lot of them are offering sliding scales. So reach out and do that work. I mean, it's really important. You want to come out of this the best way you can. But I just want to acknowledge that I want us to know that that deeper exhaustion could mean that I need to break away from, from the news, from family members, from friends, from all the issues that are swirling in the world. I need a break from COVID. So I need to distract and check out. Sometimes that's what that deeper exhaustion is about, right? It's not, again, I need sleep or it's about you know the high activity levels. It's about my emotional state. And I, I say this all the time, I'm watching people that are every day doing these home workouts, that's awesome. I'm watching people every day that are baking and using these recipes, that's awesome. Watching everyday people that are you know, in their pool, great. But where's the mental emotional health, right? Are you sitting and being self-reflective? Are you reading important books that have some psychological meaning? Are you journaling? Are you in therapy? Are you doing all these different pieces that are really powerful work on the psyche? Because that's what's gonna alleviate some of that exhaustion. Now, of course, I got to bring my intersectionalism into it. That also depends on the person. If you're also you know, a black person or a person of color, you're confronting how that all exists in the world. If you're a, a gay, a minority, or an LGBTQIA member, you're engaging in all of that. You're seeing how that's discriminated against. You're seeing um, how our president is rolling back rights around that. I mean, so all these other identities being a fat body in our world where everyone's talking about quarantine weight gain, and their home workouts, that's gonna show up in there, right? There's so many threads and pieces of things that we're encountering. God, I wish we could like kind of push back on all that. And some of that burnout is a healthy sign. It's a healthy sign that the system's expectations aren't working. Often drinking coffee, drinking a Red Bull, drinking more coffee throughout the day is a sign that my system isn't able to do the work that's being requested. And the solution shouldn't be let me out, let me burn out my system by drinking more coffee, more Red Bull, it should be, I need to set some better boundaries. And I know we're not all in a place in our lives around our relationship to our kids, or our partners and the, and the housework, or our jobs, that we can necessarily set those. But at least sit with that for one second. That if you're needing to drink a lot of coffee or caffeine or sugary sweets throughout the day, it might be because the system, my family system and my expectations on me at home, or what my children are expecting of me, or what my job is expecting, or whatever it is, that it's burning me out. And I don't need, I don't want to keep burning myself out by finding new ways to push through, you need to set limits and lean out a little bit. And that's why I get nervous when I see some of these people saying, oh, well, if you do yoga meditation, you'll be better able to get through your day. It's like, oh my God, get back to the problematic system that's burning you out, that there's so much housework needing to be done on your plate that you're needing to meditate to get through it. Like that's what this should be still centering that. I want us to flip that right and use those technologies in in service of what we need so we're going to keep unpacking this like core level of exhaustion because it's very confusing to people but i want it to be if nothing else a red flag or a communication from our system that something's off and that's why i'm giving you these different frameworks to try to kind of unpack and un- take the you know what do you call it? like the pile unpile dispile I don't know, I got to figure that out. Anywho, that's my exhaustion. Um all right. Coming up next, question of the night and then DMs. Listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new Channel Q and on radio.com. All right, time for question of the night. Tonight's question is based on a southwest airline statement, Southwest, excuse me, Southwest airline says that they're no longer going to be disinfecting seatbelts and armrests between flights. That is mind boggling. Uh, question tonight is what are things you check for before going out or choosing a company now that we are still in a pandemic? Yo, this is huge. I'm really uncomfortable. That airlines aren't going to do that. Not everyone has the means or ability to bring disinfectant with them. Not everyone has access to that. It's hard to find. Not everyone has the money, whatever it is. And so, you know, we do need to rely upon the airlines for some level of safety. Uh, I'm in shock that they're not going to disinfect anymore. Like what's your reasoning? because you're, you're tired of spending the time or the effort. I, I don't know, I can't make sense of that. That just makes air travel scarier for me. But I know for me personally, you know, I, I haven't been venturing out into the world often. And when I am, I am tracking the levels of safety and I am monitoring who's doing what. Uh, some places are being great. They have someone at the door, making sure you're wearing a mask. They have a uh, hand sanitizer that they ask you to use on the way in. They have sanitized baskets and carts. Love that. Other places, you kind of feel like you're in the wild, wild West and you're kind of like, what's going on? I'm on my own here. So, um, what are some things you check for before going out or choosing a company? Now that we're still in a pandemic, first person said, I'm checking to see if I can drive to the place I want to go to before I choose to fly. Oi, I appreciate that. I'd rather drive any day, but, um, some distances are too far to drive. Man, I'm with you on that though. I, I, I honestly personally don't know what I would need. Yeah, I guess I do. The curve would need to flatten. I would need a vaccine. I would need to know most people have taken it. I don't know. It's going to be a minute for I'm willing to do that, but I appreciate what you're saying, trying to drive. Someone else had for question tonight, which is what are things you check for before going out or choosing a company now that we're in the pandemic still? Someone said evidence-based practices. Yeah, I'm with that one evidence-based practices it's hard to know what that would be though for all businesses and all sectors and whether or not they're following it but i think that that's a good one someone else said i'll drive by a restaurant to make sure they are social distancing before i go in wow good on you i hadn't thought about that i haven't been any restaurants restaurants since this i think i went to one it was outdoor seating um but i like that idea kind of driving by checking out the scene if it's really crowded or they're cramped no good I already said this before. I'm kind of getting real fond of these masks. I'm not mad if we always wore them just to protect us from common colds, et cetera, et cetera. Seriously, but that's me. I like hiding. Question of the night. What are some things you check for before going out or choosing a company now that we're still in a pandemic? Someone said, if the store is too small, I won't go in. I only go into big stores like Walmart and Target. I appreciate that. On one hand, you want a store that's spacious enough where you can keep distance from everyone. Uh, safety, right? Safety first. I also do worry about the smaller mom and pop shops that don't have the square footage to enact that. Often they're letting only a certain number of people in. So maybe hold space for the fact that small stores are aware of safety and they're trying to only let a certain number in. I'd hate to see all those stores close. So maybe give them a little bit of a shot, you know, kind of walk by, drive by, check it out. Cause that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to go to smaller stores first. I'm not pro-corporate spending in that way all the time. I'm trying to go black and people of color owned first, uh, then queer owned if they're you know of color and queer owned, double win. So I'm trying to do my due diligence. I really am. So maybe weave that in there as well. Question of the night. What are things you check for before going out or choosing a company now that we're still in a pandemic? Someone said, when you search a restaurant on Google now, you can search for outdoor seating. I usually start there. Bam, thank you. Never knew that one. I love that. I'm gonna do that as well. I didn't know you could do that. I like that because if it's not, well, actually here in California, it's illegal. It has to be outdoor, but I appreciate some places don't even have the space for that. And so that's not going to happen. I've seen some of them pitching these like really interesting little tents um, kind of over the tables, keep the sun off. It's hot over here. Yikes. Someone else said, uh, what are some things you check for before going out or choosing a company now that we're in a pandemic? Someone else said, I'm still not going out. I don't trust any company to follow the rules. I get it. I know that, you know companies need to make money. And that might come first in a lot of places. That might mean skimping out on the protections like a uh, good old Southwest, not even you know, disinfecting. What the heck's up with that? Maybe people potentially could come and go on a plane. Someone I know just flew recently and they said, man, they're packing them in. People are flying again. Ugh, maybe people are tired or burn out. I can't imagine that that's all essential, right? I think people are just kind of like, I need to live. But again, y'all, I know it's tough. I'm with y'all, hang in there. We are not through this, please. It's not safe to travel. Question night. What are things you check for for going out or choosing a company? Because we're in a pandemic. Someone said, as long as I have my wipes, my mask, and hand sanitizer with me, I don't really check for things. But I prefer to go to indoor places versus outdoor places. Really? So share. I would love to know what that's about. What um? Why do you prefer indoor? That's interesting. I've not heard anyone say that yet. I always prefer outdoor as long as it's not hot. I hate the heat. I'm not a fan of the heat or the sun. I know I should not be in Southern California. I'm here for the career and the people, um, but eventually I'll have to move north. You know, I like the cooler weather, the darker weather. But yeah, I get it. The mask, the wipes, we're all good. It's tough out there, y'all. Anywho, thanks for those that participated. Again, the question night's always up on our Loveline IG in the stories. Uh, Loveline, check out past episodes on radio.com and our wearechannelq.com. And hope you're checking out my live stream show. I'm listening live. It's experts and celebrities talking about mental health and COVID, that's on all the radio.com handles. Uh, what is that? Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. And that's Thursdays. 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. All right, coming up next, DMs. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, y'all, we're back. Time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends of Trojan condoms because it's a big old sex world. We want you to explore it with confidence. Here we go. Dear Loveline and Dr. Chris, since the pandemic began, I've had a spike in my anxiety any time i have to go out in public now that more places are opening and people are out and about i find it incredibly difficult to relax when i'm out of the house and at home seems like uh, uh excuse me it seems like if i do one thing out of the house like grocery shopping i'm exhausted for the rest of the day and very emotionally on edge do you have any tips to help me manage my anxiety when easing back into society thanks for everything you do i'm a big fan for years all my best Stephanie, hey, I love your question and I empathize with that. You know, I'm also carrying a lot of anxiety, often generated, triggered by couldn't tell you what, you know, and it's just in my body when I'm in the world, out of the world. Uh it's it's just threads. Now remember we tend to think about mental health struggles, issues, whatnot, as these discrete contained things. But they often are collapsed, intertwined, and intersect. So often depression has anxiety. Often anxiety has depression. And we're maybe more familiar with one or the other, or one's more pronounced and so we're not aware of the other existing. But um it could be some of the depression. Anxiety can be born out of the depression of you being scared, anxious, worrying about money, housing, friends, when you're going to see your loved ones, boredom, isolation, all that can create anxiety. And so some of it is healthy. Some of it's necessary. I don't want to always give the idea that if we're you know, anxious or depressed that that's bad, it's wrong, we better feel fixed, we better get rid of it. Often mental health work is about learning how to allow, right? That's, that's part of the destigmatizing is saying we're all going to be depressed at times and that's okay. We're all gonna be anxious at times, that's okay. Allow it, sit with it, but it shouldn't be always about getting rid of it because there's always more coming and it can't be about always putting out that little fire. We have to learn how to kind of carry it with us. If you're having a good day, go grocery shopping. If you're having a bad day, go grocery shopping. If you're having anxiety, go grocery shopping. If you're feeling joy, go grocery shopping. Like we wanna get really familiar just detaching a little bit from our emotional experiences, letting them be there, recognizing they're there, but kind of letting them be a witness, witnessing them, letting them be a companion with us. So I appreciate what you're saying and the exhaustion is probably from some of the anxiety. Also from the complexity. It's no longer just I'm gonna run to the supermarket. It's like, do I have a mask? Do I have my wipes? How many people are there? How long is the line? outside to get in? How long is the line once inside? Are they out of what I need? Like, i That's exhausting. Just just that. I'm just thinking about going and I'm already burnt out, right? Because of all the things I have to encounter. And then you're wondering how safe it is. So that's a lot of emotional labor and, and exhaustion that goes into just getting ready to leave the house. And then you actually encounter things, right? So I don't want to give us tips to uh, remove or alleviate because that's not possible, right? We should be anxious. Anxiety... Inducing things are happening, right? But management is about just letting it be with us. Management is about building familiarity. Management is not is about not adding other layers on top of it. Don't feel bad that you feel bad. Just feel bad. But when we add guilt or shame or other things on top of it, we complexify it. We amplify it. But we should be anxious. There's a real threat. That's a healthy. That's a healthy emotional experience to a threat is anxiety. You know. So we have to learn how to kind of carry these with us and allow them. Okay. So. Learning how to let those emotions be. You know, it's mindfulness. Acknowledge it's there. Don't get overwhelmed or scared of it. Learn how to kind of take it with us. Uh, It's a difficult work. You know, uh, culturally, I want us to get a little more familiar with some of these emotions. So, um, Sliding the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sex world. And we want you to explore it with confidence. That's our show. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Pacific, uh, 10 p.m. Eastern. Um, We are all over the country. We are all over the country, getting out there. Um, so thanks for hanging out with me. And check out past episodes. Check out my live stream show. I'm listening live. It's it's awesome. Experts, uh, people that are kind of in my community, people I know, or just people that are publishing amazing work out there. So introducing you to them, and then uh, you know some Channel Q favorites, some of those musicians. So check that out. That's every Thursday night live streaming. And as always, question of the nights on our Loveline IG page. So weigh in on that. Slide into those DMs and follow us back. Um, Hope you all missed me, and uh, yeah, I'll be back tomorrow night. Y'all, thanks for hanging out with me, and you have a beautiful, beautiful night.